Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the MBIT Podcast. I'm your host, Seamus Medan, and today we have a very special guest, Wes Ko, who is the co-founder. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the MBIT Podcast, and I'm your host, Seamus Medan. Today, we have a very special guest, Wes Ko, who is the co-founder of Maven, the platform for cohort-based courses. Prior to Maven, Wes helped other companies like Morning Brew build their own cohort-based courses, and she founded Alt-MBA. Today, she joins to discuss the future of online education and how Maven plays a role. Wes attended UC Berkeley and has been featured in Forbes, Fast Company Inc., and is a leading voice on online education and innovation. So first off, thank you, Wes, for taking the time to join the show. It's a pleasure to have you on today. Thanks, Seamus. Excited to be here. Definitely. So I think before we dive into Maven and the logistics around that, first, I want to start off. Previously, you did do some marketing and business analytics early in your career for companies like L'Oreal and Gap. What was your journey there? And then how did you eventually get interested and involved in the online education space? Yeah, well, it's been 15 years since I graduated. <laughs> so, so it's been a while, but I think I think back then and and many college grads face this, you know, you you think about do I want to join a big company out of school or do I want to join a startup? And there are pros and cons to each path. And I decided to join a bigger company. And I'm really thankful that I did because, you know, being being one of many people doing a certain role I was able to see all the different styles that the other business analysts have, the ones that were more senior than I was, and saw just the nuance in the way that people forecasted, in the way that they analyzed the business, in people who were, you know, more aggressive with their forecasts versus, you know, more conservative. So it was it was a really good way to get business fundamentals from a from a large company. You know, Gap had been around for you know over forty years at that point. L'Oreal also, you know, multiple decades. And getting that brand management training of how do you run a product line? How do you really understand the customer? How do you think about merchandising, inventory management, the entire supply chain? Um, those were all incredibly useful for setting me up in the rest of my career. You know, I, I went to companies that were increasingly smaller with every step after that until starting my own. But the fundamentals that I learned really early on continue to serve me to this day. So what advice would you give to maybe graduating college students who are looking to get involved in the business space? Yeah, I think it really depends on what you feel conviction about. You know, like if you're excited about startups, obviously go for that, right? There's so many exciting companies that you can work for nowadays and, you know, definitely pursue that. If there are some bigger companies that are, you know, attracting your eye, do that. Your career is long. It's longer than you think it's going to be. And so like where you start, I don't really think matters. I think that your rate of improvement and your rate of learning matters. And when you first get started, you also don't really know what you want. Like you think you know what you want and then you try it and you're like, oh, wow, like that was actually not what I expected. That happened to me multiple times, you know, in the past, in the past decade. So yeah, I think wherever you have conviction, go where your interest is. It's probably going to change anyway, and it's going to evolve, and it's going to deepen, right? So, like, I was always interested in marketing, in customer acquisition, in entrepreneurship. I started a, a nonprofit when I was in high school, and that really kind of kickstarted 
you know, this love of entrepreneurship. But it wasn't until years later that I started a company with Seth Godin, the best-selling author, Alt MBA, and then started another company, my current one, Maven. So, you know, there's there's a lot of time to explore what you want to explore. Obviously, make every year count. So, you know, it's it's so interesting sharing advice because it really depends on what your baseline and starting point is. If you're too chill about your career, light a fire under your own ass, like really get yeah. on it, right? <laughs> if you're the kind of person that is always already feeling behind, you're like 23 and feeling behind, that was me. Like every year I was like, oh my God, like I should be doing more. I should be further along. You know, I learned over time that it kind of evens out. So you don't need to be so, you don't have to kick yourself and self-flagellate so much along the way. Yeah, exactly. I think those are some great points, especially your point on consistently learning. But now as we go on a little bit, in 2015, you decided to build some cohort-based courses. At the time, completion rates were pretty low. I think I read a study from MIT when I was doing some research that said the completion rate could be as low as around 6%. Why does this happen? Well, when most people think of online courses, they think of video-based static courses. So the kinds that you would find on LinkedIn Learning, on Udemy, on Skillshare, Masterclass, where it's basically a bunch of videos. And you watch them by yourself at your own pace. You rely on your own internal motivation to keep going. And it's hard. It's hard to you know not get distracted. It's hard to feel a sense of urgency. It's hard to keep yourself accountable. We all have had goals that we were going after and had, you know, high intentions for and and you know didn't follow through on probably more goals than than not. And so with the past generation of online learning, these static courses weren't really geared towards learners sticking it through. And so, you know, now flash forward to where we are today, core-based courses, I think are going to be the dominant form of online learning for the next 10 years. And so this is what Seth Godin and I started in 2014, 2015 with the Alt MBA that kicked off this entire category that we coined cohort-based courses. And so basically cohort-based courses combine the best parts of online learning, the scale, the accessibility, the convenience with the best parts of in-person learning, the community, the magic that you feel when you're in the same room, breathing the same air as other people who are excited about the same topic that you are, the accountability. And so really bringing these two together so that you can take a one-week course learning directly from Lenny Ruchitsky on product or Shreyas Doshi on product. You can take a three-day course from Sean Puri learning about power writing. You can take a two-day course from Sam Parr learning about ideation and how to find great business ideas right? There's just so much opportunity to learn directly from operators that have been in the field with relevant knowledge, not ivory tower, you know, academics, and to be able to do it by signing up for a cohort that starts in the next month, logging on from your computer, and basically now having access to the best experts, the best marketers, the best product leaders, the best CEOs and execs um, at any time. 
Yeah, those are some great points. I know even when we switched to online learning around March 2020, our school district didn't even have a lot of the logistics figured out. So a lot of the teachers, they just say, hey, we have a video. We'd all have to watch the video on our own and pretty much do all the schoolwork on our own. And internally, you know, I had enough of that internal motivation to just power right through it. But there were quite a lot of students and friends of mine who were just pretty depressed about it and didn't want to go through that journey and just didn't take the time to do any of that work. So I, I do agree. I think there is a lot of room for improvement through those co- cohort-based courses. You co-founded Maven with Gagan Biani and Srinas Bansali in 2020. What was the problem you were trying to solve with Maven and what makes it different from other online learning platforms? Yeah, so closing the loop on, on earlier too, I, I wanted to mention that the completion rates for cohort-based courses are 75% and up. So at the Alt-MBA, our completion rate was 96%, which is a far cry from the 6% single-digit completion rates of you know, online courses of your. So yeah, so in 2020, Goggin and Trans and I co-founded Maven. And, you know, it was really born from the struggle and frustration that I felt building the Alt-MBA, building courses with the co-founders of Morning Brew, Alex Lieberman, Austin Reef, working with Professor Scott Galloway on building his online school and his core-based courses, working with the co-founder of Masterclass on his new company called Outlier, also live learning, and realizing from all of these experiences that there is a huge amount of technical lift involved on the back end. There's a huge amount of administrative lift, of logistical lift. I'd spent hours trying to fix the column width of our landing page, trying to change the link color, trying to use Zapier to connect our landing page to Stripe to you know our internal student portal to you know the place where we were hosting videos. It was just so much technical stuff that a, a non-technical person would just be spending way too much time doing that and not nearly enough time being able to connect with students, being able to think about marketing your course, figuring out curriculum. And so from feeling that frustration, you know, I was shocked that no one else had tried solving that with software, with technology. And so when Goggin and I connected in in summer 2020, we were really excited that core-based courses were going to be the future of online learning. We had conviction about that. And we were equally excited that technology could take a big lift off of experts' ability to create courses. So that's what we're doing with Maven. Uh, We're building software that makes it really simple for anyone to be able to bring their knowledge online have an all-in-one tool where you can host the live pieces of your course, the asynchronous pieces. You can have students submit hands-on projects. You can you know, have polls. You can uh, have a student directory where students meet each other and can chat. You know, We have our own you know, version of Slack. So it's all in one place. Whereas previously, if you wanted to do something like this, you were really cobbling together a dozen or so different tools and then trying to just kind of juggle all these balls in the air, which was really convoluted. You and Goggin have actually known each other since high school. So how has it been to co-found a company with someone you've known for a very long time? Yeah, it's pretty wild that we both grew up in the same town in, <laughs> in the Bay Area. So Goggin is a year younger than me, and we didn't really hang out in high school. We actually went to the same college together, too. <laughs> you know, we knew of each other and hung out once in a while in groups, but, you know, weren't close friends or anything like that. And so, yeah, I think when he reached back out in summer 2020... I hadn't talked to him for, I don't know, seven, eight years. I bumped in, into him at the airport once. 
<laughs> you know, in between then. But yeah, it was, it was, it was like co-founding a company with someone that, that you didn't know. So on the one hand, you know, we knew of each other and we had context of, you know, where we both grew up. So like that was helpful. But in terms of being someone that you've worked with closely and, you know, in a work environment and, and worked on, you know, projects with, we didn't have that. And so we ended up doing this get to know you co-founder 50 question questionnaire, which was really intense. It was from one of our, our investors or seed investor, First Round Capital. They have a great blog, great resource, a bunch of great resources. And this in-depth questionnaire basically asked a bunch of hard questions about your personality, about how you think about business, about the future of the company, and a bunch of stuff that you would probably figure out and talk about at the one or two year mark that they brought right up front to help you see if you're a good fit. So that really helped us get to know each other and, and get really honest from the beginning. Yeah. And when we talk about online learning and cohort courses, I think it's hard to talk about it without you know discussing COVID. So how big of an impact do you think COVID has had on your industry and just the confidence in your type of industry? Yeah, I think COVID made it much more common and much more normal for people to work remotely and to learn remotely and to build remotely. So, you know, I remember back in 2014-2015 when Seth Godin and I started Alt MBA, people thought that, you know, the idea of turning on your webcam and talking to strangers online was dangerous. And like, was that okay for privacy reasons? And now, you know, everyone, you know, hops on Zoom like it's nothing, right? And so I think COVID was was a catalyst for, for people just feeling like collaborating with strangers online and being able to, to work remotely was, was a, a more normal thing. And that's great. It's, I think it's, it's had a lasting impact in that people are much more open-minded about learning remotely. Definitely. And I think, you know, we mentioned retention rate with cohort-based courses, but one of the stories that caught my attention when doing some research for the podcast was from Tiago Forte, who teaches a course on building a second brain. He said that he's been able to, in an interview with, I think, Big Think, that he's been able to increase his revenue by 10x and while reducing his workload by around 80% by switching from doing one-on-one -on -one coaching and consulting to doing these cohort-based courses. So how do you think these cohort courses help achieve these types of results compared to other existing methods of online teaching? Yeah, Tiago was a client of mine before starting Maven. So he's a great guy. Tiago has mentioned that he made $5 million on his course, Build a Second Brain, in five years, with most of that being in the latter two years. So the first few years he was ramping up, the latter two years is really when he was able to crank up revenue. And that's really common with core-based course creators. Now, we have creators on Maven who are on a $1 million run rate. We have a bunch of creators who have no audience who are making ten dollars to $20,000 every time that they teach a cohort So and everything in between. And so I think this is a really interesting opportunity in time where if you are an expert, if you are an operator, if you are a marketer, designer, product manager, you know, finance executive, and you have knowledge to share, and that knowledge is valuable on the market, you can now take your knowledge directly to the market. That yeah, wasn't a thing big before. Big change. Yeah. You know, like you basically 
had to, you know, before the career path was, if you're, if you're in-house, climb the corporate ladder, one, like work your way up to CMO or COO or CFO, you know, two, start a venture-backed business, raise, you know, raise money, or three, start a lifestyle business, quote unquote. I hate that term. It's so demeaning to people who put a ton of work into, into great businesses. But basically you start a lifestyle business or you consult or coach. And you know, all your friends think that you are a quote unquote consultant because you're in between jobs, right? <laughs> like, so right. those options just weren't great. And now there's a fourth option, which is you can be a solopreneur. Right. And that might look like a portfolio of projects that you're working on. That might be some consulting, that might be running writing your Substack newsletter, that could be running a community, that might be, you know, running a core-based course, right? So, you know, you the idea of being a solopreneur now is something that is exciting for a lot of people, that is something to strive for, that is just as prestigious as being CMO or going that corporate track or you know going the VC-funded startup track. And I think that this is a really exciting thing because there are a lot of people who didn't want to do options A, B, C, right? Now they have option, option D, which is to build a business and a life on their own terms. And products like cohort-based courses really enable that because you can run a course twice a year. You can run it four times a year. You can run it 10 times a year. It really depends. It's up to you. And we have instructors running twice a year and and every other every month, right? So it really depends on, on what you want to do, what you want to crank up or crank down. You get to set your own prices. So you can charge $500 per student. We have a lot of courses in the in the $400, $500 range. Our average course is actually $800 to $900. So a lot of courses in that range. We also have some courses in the four-figure range. $1,500 per student, $2,000 per student. We have a couple courses that are $5,000 per student. So some of these instructors want to have a smaller cohort that is more akin to group coaching, right? You might have five, seven, 10 students at you know the four-figure mark, or you might have more students at a slightly lower price point, right? Or you can have a lot of students at a high price point. Depends, depends on you, what you're able to charge, right? But there's so much flexibility. My point is, there's so much flexibility uh, and that's very, very exciting. Yeah, definitely. And one of the big reasons people do courses is to really have a certificate or to say proof of like, I've learned about this and this is important, et cetera. I know a few years ago, I took some courses from like Wharton Online on fintech and stuff like that. I was very interested in the industry, but I think the reason why I took it on an online course instead of just reading through some books and some YouTube videos is just to be like, hey, there's a certification that I know that. How has Maven thought about, you know, course certifications in terms of co based courses? Certifications are not something that we currently have a huge focus on. There are some instructors who want to have certifications and they're open to do it on our platform. But in terms of you know really pushing it, it's not something that we're seeing that students are looking for, mainly because our student tends to be a working professional in tech or tech-adjacent industries who you know have five to eight years of experience. So most people, you know, if you, if let's say if you're a salesperson, you might take a sales course because you want to have a certificate that says you took a sales course, but really most salespeople just want to get better at sales. They want to close more deals. They want to be better at doing screening calls. They want to upsell better. They want to manage their pipeline better, right? Like there's a bunch of things that are practical necessities of the job that they want to get better at. 
And the way that you tell if this course worked is if you get better at those things. You know, same with writing. It's like you could take a writing course to get a certificate, or you could measure your progress by how much, how, how many more ideas you have when you write, how much more, you know, how much easily, more easily you write, right? So like our focus is really on the practical application skills. And most, most professionals, mid-level professionals care about the end outcome of, hey, did did this course actually help me? Gotcha. And the other companies that help creators build online courses can be companies such as Teachable. How difficult is it or how challenging is it to convert those types of creators over to using companies like Maven? Yeah, the co-founder of Teachable is one of Maven's investors. So we're big fans of them as well. And you know, one thing that's interesting is that it doesn't really matter where you start as, as an expert sharing your knowledge. We have experts who originally started with a video-based course on Teachable or on Udemy and decided to create a live version of that course where they can charge a premium, there's more community, there's more interactivity. So it's for a different subset of their customers. We also see experts who started with a live course. And the benefit of that is being able to test out your ideas with a live audience, getting really quick feedback loops, and then figuring out what are the best parts of your material, and then turning that into a video-based course, or a book, or an, an ongoing blog, or a community, right? So there's so many different entry points if you have valuable knowledge to share. So I think the, the most important thing is thinking about this framework that I call inside out, outside in. So basically think of, of two circles that are a Venn diagram. Outside in is thinking about the outside market. Where's their market demand? What are people wanting to learn regardless of you? What are questions that people ask you all the time, right? That's outside in. Inside out is looking inwards in your heart of hearts and thinking about what is a topic that I can talk about at length with very little preparation that I'm excited about and constantly find myself going back to and being fascinated by personally. And the reason that that matters is because Building a course business is like building any other business. It's going to take longer than you think. It's going to take multiple iterations. You're not going to find product market fit or course market fit right off the bat. So if you choose a topic that you know people ask you questions all the time on it, and there's a lot of market demand, but you personally feel annoyed answering those questions, or you don't really like talking about it, you should not build a business around that. So you really want to look at the, the Venn diagram overlap of those, those two circles. And once you find that, you know where you have unique value add, where you have a spiky point of view, where you really add value to the market. And then from there, you can say, okay, do I feel more excited about building a live experience first? Do I want to build you know, something static? Do I want to start with something smaller, like posting on LinkedIn or posting on Twitter and starting to share my thoughts You know, or do all of them at once? Like That's cool too. But really it's about figuring out where do you, where can you fill a gap in the market? Definitely. And as we wrap it up here, what do you see as like the future for the next five, 10 years of online education? Yeah. The last 10 years of online learning were dominated by massive open online courses, otherwise known as MOOCs. So we had talked about you know LinkedIn Learning, Udemy, et cetera. Those courses, I think people are tired of. Enough people have tried them and you know didn't complete them. I personally have a bunch of them sitting in Skillshare somewhere, gathering digital dust. And so the next 5, 10 years of online learning are going to be about live learning. 
about learning with a group of peers who are excited about the same topics that you're excited about, where you can really put your skills into practice and get feedback. So if you think about taking you know, a course on negotiation, for example, if this were a static course, you'd watch 15 videos on negotiation, and then you try to put it into practice yourself in the real world. And then you would realize once you tried a tactic that it did not work as you expected, the person didn't react and just, you know, as expected, and then you wouldn't really know what to do from there to troubleshoot, right? And so in contrast, when you take a cohort-based course on negotiation, you have a chance to role play. You break up into groups of two and role play. One person is negotiating this, one person, you know, your incentive is this, right? Duke it out. Or you are hearing the instructor break down a case study and that instructor is asking you, what do you think along the way? You know, guess this, or, Hey, we're going to, we're going to set a timer for five minutes. Everyone works silently to write up the pitch that you would say. And then at the end of those five minutes, we're going to share out and the instructor is going to do a, do a tear down, right? All of this gives you a chance to put those skills into practice in a safe environment where someone can correct your posture, if you will, and help you figure out what you don't actually understand and give you a chance to practice. Um, and that's really, really valuable. And I think more people are excited about that and seeing seeing how that is way more effective than, than the online learning of your. Yeah, I agree. I mean, at the end of the day, we're all people and we enjoy connecting with others, right? So I think there is a huge opportunity for Maven to excel in that area. But all right, everyone, that wraps it up for today's episode. If you enjoyed the podcast, make sure to leave a five-star review down below. And thank you, Wes, for taking the time to join the show. It was a pleasure. Thanks, James. Thanks, everyone. Appreciate it.